This episode of Books and Boba is brought to you by First Republic Bank. The world is changing and your needs are evolving. As your focus turns to what matters most to you and your community, First Republic remains committed to offering personalized financial solutions that fit your needs. From day one, you'll be connected with a dedicated banker who will serve as your primary point of contact throughout your relationship with the bank. They'll be there to listen to you, understand your values, and meet you on your financial journey. Your banker can offer solutions that support your goals at any stage. From setting up a personal checking account, to refinancing household debt, to buying a first home. As your needs evolve, you can call or email your banker at any time for the support you need. Because First Republic believes what matters to you matters most. Learn more at firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. You're listening to... Sam Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Ri Rayu. And we're here today to talk about, and we're here today to discuss our November 2020 book club pick, Ignite the Stars by Maura Milan. Rira, it's December. How are you feeling? It's December. <laughs> I, I really don't have any feelings about it. <laughs> I think our last episode, we already made clear your distaste for the holidays, especially since you work in retail. And this is probably like what some would consider the hell month of retail, even though we're in COVID times. I yeah, imagine it's worse uh, now that we're in COVID it, it's times. It's a different type of hell at the <laughs> moment. I mean, uh, thankfully, I don't um, like I work in quote unquote retail, but I do mostly office work. So I'm not like dealing with customers all the time <laughs> but um yeah holidays is is when people show their true colors <laughs> and it's it's worse with covid now in california because um because of the new order less people can enter stores now and yeah. people get angry about that <laughs> uh but yeah we're here today to talk about our november 2020 book club pick Ignite the Stars by Maura Milan. So should we get to it? Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> did we want to read the jacket description or are we just diving right in? Um, we can start with the jacket description. I mean, hey. hopefully most people who have or tuning in have read the book already. But for, the, for those of you heathens who um, like to do things out of order, we're doing this for you. Okay, so everyone in the universe knows his name. Everyone in the universe fears him, but no one realizes that notorious outlaw Aya Kocha is a 17-year-old girl. A criminal mastermind and unrivaled pilot, Aya has spent her life terrorizing the Olympus Commonwealth, the imperialist nation that has destroyed her home. When the Commonwealth captures her, when the Commonwealth captures her and her true identity is exposed, they see Aya's age and talent as an opportunity. By forcing her to serve them, they will prove that no one is beyond their control. Soon, Aya is trapped at Commonwealth's military academy, desperately plotting her escape. But new acquaintances, including Bryn, 
a seemingly average student with a closely held secret, and their charming flight master, Knives, cause Aya to question her own alliances. Can she find a way to escape the Commonwealth's clutches before these bonds deepen? Yeah. So as you can surmise from uh, the cover and the uh, and the summary, this is a space. I wouldn't say space opera. I don't think it fits perfectly into that. Box. I don't think it's a space opera. It's more of like a space. It's, I mean, it's a sci-fi space story. Yeah, it's a it's a sci-fi <laughs> story, and because um, like space. When we think of space operas, we think of like broad sweeping adventures right where you visit planet to planet or go to like these epic wars but this this is more yeah this isn't one of those yeah this this is more i i would say like there's there's like slice of life in it with a mixture of i don't know like political intrigue uh yeah i mean it's it's um I didn't expect it to be, and maybe this is because I didn't do any reading on what the book is about or even read the book check description. I didn't expect this to be like an academy story. I don't I wouldn't even say a slice of life though, because I feel like the the plot moves at a pretty fast pace. Um, everyone kind of has an agenda that they're following, and it's not really like, you know, we don't really get caught up in like the day-to-day, like there's no school festivals or like a school events. It's kind of just here are three characters. And I, that was also surprising. I didn't expect this to be... like I thought it would be maybe at most two characters, like two point of view characters, but it's three, um, which um, I guess made the story move a lot faster too. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect the Academy part of the story either. Um, but at the same time, I kind of wish I got more of it because I'm like a huge Slice of Life fan. And just the idea of like a sci-fi military academy where you get more of the day-to-day details like their classes and um and like more more of the battle simulations um i wish there was like more interactions with the classmates Mm. because there are some like you know like more um there are some side characters i get more screen time than others but I feel like I didn't get to know them that much yeah, compared to like Bryn. That's why I kind of feel like it wasn't necessarily a slice of life story, perhaps. Like, I don't think Mora set out to tell that type of story to begin with, right? It's kind of more of a thriller that happens to be set in a academy than an academy story with thriller elements. Yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of uh, Gundam. Because, um, I mean, there are, like, different Gundams, obviously, but, uh, like, Gundam Seed, for example, um, a lot of that story just follows the crew. And it kind of gave me the same feels, you know? Like, there is this war going on. There's a lot of politics that are happening. And you can't trust everyone. Everyone has their own agenda. But the setting is on that ship. And you spend most of your time with the characters on that ship. So it did kind of remind me of um, that type of storytelling. But like we said, there's a lot going on. <laughs> like everyone I mean, has an agenda. <laughs> but I feel like the story really focused in on, like the story focuses in on the three characters. And I think the the setting, the world building itself, I don't think it really, I, I don't know if this is more of a case in the second book because it's clearly setting up something like bigger. But 
I didn't really get the sense of scale of like a big political drama from this story. This the main plot of the story is, I mean, there's three characters with their own agendas, right? So you have Aya, who is the notorious space extremist that got captured and is now being forced to go to school. You have Bryn, who is the citizen of the empire, who is part of a marginalized minority that is actively being persecuted. And you have Knives, who is the son of a war hero who um, is being who is disillusioned with the empire. Right. And you have these three people kind of trying to sort out their own demons. Um, the overall like politics of the world, it feel, felt like it was more setting than anything else. Like it wasn't. I, yeah, don't think I, it, I get it because you hear about this empire, you hear about this commonwealth on like how many planets that they destroyed, like how diverse their community is. And just like the grandeur of um, of their conquest, pretty much. But you don't get to travel to those pl- planets. Uh, <laughs> you don't really hear much about the politics except for like news snippets yeah. and propaganda. So it's really hard to tell like how big the world is. Well, yeah, but I'm cause... guessing that like that shows up in the second book. Um, yeah, I mean, because the whole story takes place on this isolated planet that the academy, like this academy is um, located at, which is like, I guess, the top military academy of the empire. I mean, even as a reader, since we're following these three characters at this academy, we're pretty much isolated except for like those news feeds. Um, And we see that there is unrest going on, right? Like, like any setting um, based in, you know, real human uh, realities, there is racism going on. You have this commonwealth of supposedly like benevolent um colonizers who are spreading order and and um and civilization across the universe but internally you have people who are blaming the recently colonized people for their the war and actively persecuting them um you know i don't think it's a accident that this um, empire is called the commonwealth yeah (laughs) That's your first hint right there. And obviously, at the beginning, the point of view characters are all at odds with each other, right? You have Bryn Tarver, who is a member of the, the Tawny race, who, is, who were responsible for the most recent war. And so she has to actively um, hide her identity to blend in and not be like bullied at school. But she is a citizen of the Commonwealth and has full, wholeheartedly, at least at the beginning of the story, bought into all the propaganda. If anything, that character is the most, like, if we want to say, quote unquote, Asian American mm-hmm. relevant character in the story, because, I mean, not even Asian American, but like just um, child of immigrant adjacent um, character, right? Because that sense of loyalty and rejection of like heritage is something that a lot of people, in any like diverse, um, quote unquote, diverse uh, culture has to experience, right? Yeah. I mean, you notice a lot of similarities when it comes to like Asian American immigrant stories. Um, you have like you have people who want to assimilate and uh, they reject their own heritage, like you said, Marvin, and they're ashamed of their culture and they overcompensate it. By showing their loyalty to their adopted um, adopted country, I guess, or yeah. native country, um, because like Bryn is born in uh, in the Commonwealth, 
Uh, she's actually half Tawny, so she's mixed race. And um, yeah, like the interesting thing about the Tawny race is that they have blue hair. And uh, that is like the most obvious way to spot a Tawny. But Bryn, she is able to hide this by dyeing her hair. And, um, and and you kind of see that with a lot of like mixed race Asians because, you know, like they get they get told like, oh, you don't look Asian or you don't look white. But um, depending on like how they look, they could pass for one or the other. And you're kind of stuck with this um, this inner conflict of am I? It's like, am I ever going to belong to either culture? And um, and and you kind of have like this, not not identity crisis, but you you do struggle with like what is acceptable in terms of like what culture you should. Yeah, and there's you also should, you take on. Yeah, and there's also that effect of like I have to prove that I'm one of you by like like usually that. Uh, manifests in like over- overcompensating and patriotism, right? Like you have, I mean, I'm reminded of, so there's a show that's premiering, I think this week called House of Ho, which is a, one of those like rich family documentaries about this, like, I think it's a Vietnamese Chinese family out in Texas. And this family literally have named all their children after presidents. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like I think the daughter's name is Reagan. There's like a Washington in there. It's, Oh my god, the worst ones too. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's something that we've seen in our community in order to protect ourselves from any suspicion of like disloyalty, we have to be extra loyal, right? Like we have to be extra American, extra, you know, not Asian. And then you have Bryn's mother who is like, I'm gonna be extra tawny uh (laughs) yeah Bryn's mother is like a a peculiar case because um like she's not a refugee she immigrated to the commonwealth before um before uh, well it's not the war but like do you remember what happened that sparked the the prejudice something happened there was an attack on the commonwealth no okay so Multiple things. So the most recent war, um, I forgot what the war was called. The the something war. <laughs> the most the recent, uranium. Yeah, the most war? recent yeah. war was uh, because the Commonwealth wanted to, like I guess, vassalize <laughs> for lack of a better word, or like annex the Tawny homeworld, um, and the Tawny civilizations resisted, and so it became a war. Um, so. There were already, and because of the because of and because of the war, there were many refugees, which um, they call refs, in in this um, you know fictional universe um, as a as a um, derogatory term, and and so there was already an underlying like sense of distrust, a la like you know Japanese Americans during World War Two, yeah, you know, um, and then I think what set off the most recent. Um, the most recent, um, I think what sparked the most recent rise in like racism was the fact that Aya was captured on a Tawny ship and Uh, to cover it, to cover up their own crimes, the Commonwealth claimed that the Tawny shot first and sentenced them all to execution. 
So the propaganda was selling, saying, oh, these are Tawny um, insurgents and they shot us first. Yeah. And Bryn drinks that Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. And it just it just shows like how like history is written by the winners, by by the conquerors and how I guess like uh, manipulation of media can impact your own internalized prejudice against yourself. <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking about like the Asian Americans who are living here in America during World War II and um, just like probably the propaganda they heard about Japan, for example. Well, I mean, not even that propaganda, but the fact that like, you know, the 442nd was created, um, the, the regiment of all Japanese American soldiers, as a way to prove their loyalty to America, right? And that was the big issue in the camps was like, why do we have to prove our loyalty to a country that has unlawfully um, locked us up, right? Yeah, and it's kind of the same mindset that Bryn's mother has. It's like, why should I show loyalty to the Commonwealth where they hate our people? Yeah. Um, because she, she like, refuses to dye her hair and she's, you know, mm -hmm. very... Um, very open about her tawny heritage yeah and but then with Bryn, the um it's the opposite yeah like the fact that they captured aya, aya kocha like spurs her and a lot of other young people to enlist which i guess was part of the propaganda campaign um although she was surprised to learn that aya was actually a 17 year old girl a lot of people were <laughs> a lot of people thought that um the greatest war criminal in all of the galaxy was a 17-year-old girl. Yeah. Um, we talked about Bran. What did you think about Aya? Like, it was like, I thought, I thought she was a really cool character. I wish it went more into her. And I guess there was enough room in the book, but like, I'm interested in her because essentially she's like a child soldier, right? She was forced to like fight from a very young age. Yeah. And, you know, you see the scars that it's left on her. But I kind of wish it went more into that trauma as opposed to... I mean, I also enjoyed the fact that she was a badass and kind of cocky and um, more of like an anti-hero. I did take issue. And this isn't really with the... Um, the it, it wasn't to do with any of the writing. It's just personally, I kind of wish she didn't end up joining forces with the imperialist power. Yeah, I, I see your point. Um like one of the things that I had to suspend my belief on was the reason why they decided to um, enlist her to the academy. Yeah, that wow. was because because like the whole thing is like okay, yeah, like she's a minor, so we can't really like execute her. We could we could send her to like a prison colony, or we can have her work for us. But but the thing is like. There, there are just like some uh, questions I have about that decision. Cause yeah, it, let's cause, talk cause about like her, that. Because <laughs> her talent is in piloting, but that's not that's not the thing that she gets recruited for I mean, at not, the academy. Not even that. Like her talents, in, like she's the best pilot in the verse, right? Um, but she's like I thought also, she was going to be a teacher. Like I thought she was going to like teach them how to pilot. Well, not even that. She's also like. The, the fact that she is the Ayacocha, um, she, she has a cult of personality, which means she has charm and she has charisma. And that's not someone you want running free in a 
place with impressionable young minds, you know? Like whoever was a political genius who thought of this plot needs to um needs to review their um their credentials, I think. I mean, they do put that heart bomb device inside her. So there is like some level of control. Yeah, and, and they give that control to a like barely a out of puberty boy. <laughs> I mean, I, I liked Aya as a character. She, like you said, she is badass. Uh, she speaks her mind. And um, I like the fact that she is a morally gray character and she knows it. Like she knows that, um, like she knows that she killed a lot of innocent people. Um, but at the same time, like the Commonwealth Army killed a lot of her, uh, a lot of her people. I mean, I think and, it's implied that they destroyed her planet, right? Yeah, they destroyed her planet. <laughs> so she she understands that her revenge is, you know, it's bloody. And, you know, like she has done some terrible, horrifying things to people. I mean, in the books, she she's not afraid to threaten classmates of hers saying, like, I'm going to. I'm going to cut your fingers up or <laughs> or like gouge your eyes out. It's she's pretty ruthless and um I like I like the fact that you see that she has a she has good intentions from the very first chapter. So, yeah, she obviously cares about the people that she's trying to protect, which is why it was a little weird that she's never had any friends even like amongst her crew. Like, I think there was a line saying she's always ruled her crew by fear, by keeping them at a distance, but she's never, like, bonded with any of them. And it's like, how do you survive, like, five years of being an outlaw without, like, forming connections? It's a uh, quid pro quo, right? Like, <laughs> I guess. It's like, you help me, I help you. Well, um, seeing that everyone she worked with before has ended, like, ends up betraying her at the end, even her most trusted person, I guess it's justified. Uh, what did you think about Knives? Not a fan of his name. <laughs> it reminded me of Trigun right away because um, the main antagonist of the anime series Trigun was also named Knives. Knives oh, really? Millions. I, I yeah. thought I, my my first thought was um, Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> Knives Chow. Yeah, Knives yeah. Chow. It's um, well, especially with like. Yeah, especially since his sister's name was Marnie, which is a relatively normal name. Knives just seems like his dad ran out of ideas. I thought it was a nickname. I didn't think that it was his <laughs> real name. Oh. Uh, but aside from that, I really like the idea of the son of a general who is really disillusioned with the military and kind of is forced into this position of following orders, even though um, he doesn't, he's not like really fully committed um, because it's, it's for the sake of survival. Right. So I really like that character trait of him. Um, I really liked his banter with Aya. That was, um, that was like yeah. one of my favorite parts in the book. A plus Y a like romantic banter. Like, like A plus Y A, like friends to lovers. No, not friends, to lo enemies to lovers. Enemies to lovers banter. I wouldn't even say enemies to lovers because he doesn't really 
hate her. <laughs> it's just kind of like a chore, you know? Yeah. Indifference. I guess it's more yeah. with Bryn and Aya's more enemies to friends, right? Okay, so uh, I, I know we were talking about knives and we can go back to him later, <laughs> but why did they give a war criminal a roommate? Plot. Like, who <laughs> thought that that was going to be a good idea? So you're going, you're going to lock up someone who is known to have murdered, like your your country's military officers, with like a seventeen year old. I mean, you don't know the circumstances. <laughs> they might have just run out of room, right? I mean, they had already booked the academy before they realized they, ha- they were going to have an additional person. So they just might not have any had any room. It makes no sense. I think this is another thing we need to like just assume. I know. It's it's like one of those <laughs> things where I just like let it go. I was like, let it go. It's just like an anime moment. Just <laughs> <laughs> it's not important. I mean, of course, you also have to give her the one roommate that might have any sympathy for her as a member of a marginalized people. Yeah, I mean, did the headmaster know that yeah. Bryn was Tawny? Okay, yeah, yeah. that's totally, <laughs> that was totally a, a plant, you know? It's all it's a like, setup. Uh, We're going to learn in book two that everything was according to plan. There's some mastermind out there that put all these pieces in play. So Aya is trapped on, uh, trapped on this planet that is unplottable. Um, none of the space pirates have been able to find it because it's so well hidden. Um, and, you know, she's she's at this academy and she's immediately trying to plan her escape. And she manages to contact her brother. And her brother says, hey, hang tight, gather information, and we'll come rescue you. Yeah. Okay. Another thing that didn't make sense. And again, we can attribute this to, I guess, is the Commonwealth military just bad at their jobs? Because they left her with a bunch of implants, which, you know, if you're capturing an outlaw. And she even mentions it too. She's like, how did they miss? Yeah. If you're capturing a renowned space outlaw who, you know, and and, in a, in a world that has implants, um, why i mean the first thing you should do is scan for anything possibly dangerous maybe they didn't show <laughs> up in the scan marvin maybe her implants are so high tech that okay let's go with that that would it. that would give that, that would let's give a little cover that, yeah. to why they missed her high tech eye finger and i don't know what else she has like oh yeah she has the the um she yeah, she had cortex, like that the, matrix the, the jack, thing at right the, yeah, the court. Yeah. yeah. How do yeah. you miss a jack behind in her? Her 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 eye implant reminded me immediately of Cowboy <laughs> Bebop's spike. Yeah, where she can take pictures and send it to her brother. And I guess they didn't expect um her roommate to give her a okay. And also, like, yeah, if you're gonna isolate a prisoner, why don't you also confiscate the communicator of the roommate? I guess they didn't think that she would be able to access it. That's true. Because uh, they didn't give her a communicator. And um, students are supposed to wear theirs the entire time. And 
it sounded like it was difficult. That's true. To, they probably didn't know about like, the white room, right? They didn't know about the special like virtual reality space that she shares with her brother. Yeah. Her brother's name is Ayn, which is another thing <laughs> that reminded me of Cowboy Bebop because the corgi in that show yeah. is called Ayn. Uh, what what I really liked about this book is the friendship between Aya and Bryn. Um, I would say that relationship has the most plot development. Um, I like the idea that they they weren't enemies, but it was definitely like a situation where uh, you question whether or not they're going to make this team <laughs> yeah, work. It's- work. <laughs> Because Bryn is sleeping in the bathroom and you're just like, oh, my God, Bryn, you're going to be sleeping on the floor for how many weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more interesting than the knives Aya relationship, which was still interesting. But like, okay, for uh, first off, like, I think that Aya and Bryn (laughs) should have gotten together. Like, I I ship that relationship more than I ship Aya and knives, even though knives was a good book boyfriend. Yeah, and you have Aya who, you know, who is ruthless, but you find out through, like, the the simulation test, uh, Bryn, Bryn finds out that Aya actually saved her, her crew and didn't save herself. She sacrificed herself for the sake of her crew, and she learns that Aya does have integrity and does have a moral code. And um, Aya, in return, she finds out that Bryn is Tawny and she helps Bryn come to accept, like, come to accept her heritage and even teaches her things about her heritage that she never knew, uh, such as the ability to heal. And that friendship is, you know, it's, it's the deepest relationship in this book. And I'm really glad that it is because we don't get enough female friendships in uh, not just YA, but in in literature in general, where yeah. it's not I mean, it definitely passes the Bechtel test because, you know, the relationship isn't about Aya helping Bryn get with Liam. Right? It's about Aya helping Bryn get over her own insecurities, which is, which is nice. I thought it was interesting that Bryn is, you know, she, she's a genius. She's very good at math because uh, Tawnies are, like, that's part of their genetics. I mean, the Asian-American parallels are becoming more and more clear. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that That is exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh, yeah, like, Asians <laughs> are supposed to be good at math. Well, I guess I will be an average math student so <laughs> so that I show, I, so that I'm more American so yeah, there were definitely parallels. I mean, Artani's just basically anime there. characters. They have blue hair. They can heal. They have special powers, and they're good at math. I mean, there's a <laughs> lot of species in this book, and they all have different abilities. Yeah, or so I think. Speaking of Brune, I also liked the development between her and Angie, which is her her former classmate slash bully who. I guess, comes to realize the error of her ways and becomes an ally. Um, I actually thought that was kind of one of the the sweeter like storylines as well. I feel like I could have used more buildup in that relationship. Um, because, it, because it was like, oh, she she's a bully and she makes fun of of the refugees to, you know, to to cover her tracks pretty much. 
And then she goes to school and she's trying to befriend Bryn. And I kind of wish there were more scenes of her um, showing her quote unquote prejudice. And then towards the middle and ending of the book, you know, she realizes that Bryn is Tawny and there is more of like. I feel. More of an I mean, arc, I feel like I was okay you know? with it. I think um, what probably could have used, I mean, I think I can understand why she started to hover around Bryn. And it was because they were the only two people there from the same hometown. And I think that has a lot to do with her, you know, kind of softening her stance toward Bryn. I think the fact that, like, she, I don't think she did the 180, but I think she became aware of her own past prejudices um, because of what she saw, like, because of the violence she started seeing after the arrest of Aya. Um, I think that's realistic. I mean, it would have been nice to have, like, some point of view from her. And we don't get that because I, she's I not wish, a point of view I character. wish there was a little bit more screen time for yeah, her. Yeah, but I think it's a realistic development because I think a lot of people, like kids are just mean and part of growing up is realizing that prejudice is something that is learned and is wrong and to like kind of work on that. And, you know, we don't see the work from Angie, but her actions seem to um, show that she is working on it. Yeah. Way more so than the other, like, um, what's the other jackass? Um, Nero? Oh, yeah, Nero. Yeah. Who is like your your stock racist YA bully his species was interesting because like his family is like they the, own like the genetic the eugenic makeup. species you mean? <laughs> yeah the eugenic species <laughs> and only that family is able to have dimples on their chin <laughs> everybody else can look the same except for that dimple which I, I I don't know I found that like pretty amusing I wanted to see him get more embarrassed like I wanted to see him like yeah that, I think this is where we could have used more like slice of life school academy story where like maybe it's some like space race competition where he gets burned by Aya. You know? Yeah, there definitely should have been more um, Aya versus Nero scenes. Yeah, because um, you see a little bit of it when Nero spray paints a slur uh, on Bryn's dorm. Yeah, but but. Yeah, yeah, not enough. I feel like he didn't get enough. Like he didn't, he didn't get humiliated enough, right? Like I would have preferred him getting his ass kicked instead of Liam, even though the fact that Liam got his ass kicked went more to the drama. Yeah, because like Liam, what what was it? His father. His father was paralyzed uh, got, during yeah. um, a surprise attack by Aya back in like the war. And uh, when once, like Aya says something that triggers. The whole fight. Yeah, no, it was during a history lesson where they were, um, uh, it was during like a military history lesson where they were um, recapping a major battle during the last war. And I, uh, and then she said, I, I led. Yeah, I was, I was correcting the teacher saying, no, that's not what happened. I should know I led this attack. Great thing to say <laughs> in a military history class. Yeah. Obviously, that stirred up a lot of drama because the, students in that class they lost family members and uh during during like their one-on-one -on -one fight scene aya just takes the hits at some point yeah after messing him up real bad though yeah but it was just like she understands that what she did was not was not right but you know it's war like what is right what is justice yeah i mean i think this is just us sympathizing or empathizing with aya but we want 
the other characters to also see that like she didn't want to become a criminal right like it's her circumstances that, that ended up creating her um and you know we later learn it's also because of manipulation from her brother right because a lot of her exploits were his plans that she executed and i mean let's talk about that relationship because i think that's the it's supposed to be the twist right and they start planting the seeds like halfway through the book that her brother is not necessarily the person that she thinks he is we learned that like yeah she's essentially been doing his dirty work while he kept his hands clean yeah and uh he he broke his promise of protecting the tawnies on the ship where um aya got captured yeah and ends up like sending a slaver nation to attack the academy um to capture Bryn, right she like um, yeah, not to not to rescue Aya at all. Yeah. Like, yeah, I thought that was that was pretty messed up. Um, I I do wish that. Um, I mean, it depends on on the book. I'm not like a huge fan of flashback scenes in books, but I feel like this book could have benefited a lot from it um, because I do want to see Aya becoming. The Blood Wolf. Um, I would have liked to see her relationship with her brother before she became this notorious. Yeah. Like, I wanted to see, like, more of that love because then, like, the the ending where he betrays her, I feel like that betrayal would have been more... I don't know, like... Heart-wrenching. It would have been more, yeah, <laughs> more, more depressing. Impactful. We need, we need more depressing. <laughs> we need it to be as depressing as possible. I don't know. Like I, I kind of like saw the betrayal coming. Um, Wait, because he was being totally and, sus, like halfway through. I know, I know. I like I, I saw it hap- I, I saw it coming, but I also like didn't feel that attached to Ayn, and I didn't feel, I, I didn't really connect that much with Aya and Ayn's like sibling relationship. So, not not as much as like Bryn and her brother. For example, yeah. like when when Bryn's brother gets attacked for standing up for another refugee, um, like that relationship was that scene was pretty um, pretty heart wrenching. Yeah, um, or even like this is a story also about brother sister relationships, right? Because all three of the main characters have has a sibling of the opposite gender. Um, oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. All three of the characters have a sibling that kind of drives them right ayn is i the only person i can trust in the world um bryn's brother is the person she wants to protect and knives sister is the reason why he is disillusioned right because she got sent on a suicide mission essentially um for the cause and her death or i i, yeah. Yeah, I assume died for no reason yeah um and she was like the model soldier yeah too so that made it even worse. It's like, oh, you ha- you're the general's daughter and you are like top of your military class. Better pilot and than you go Aya. on this mission. Yeah. yeah, you're going on this mission and no one serves as your backup. You're abandoned. Yeah. Also, <laughs> yeah, also I want to, I, I, I kind of wish we had more of the general um, because he serves as kind of one of the antagonists for most of the book. And he's portrayed as bad dad, but 
I don't know. I have a feeling they're going to redeem him next book. And I don't want that. I kind of want him to like, you know, realize his errors and suffer. Yeah, I'm like really curious as to like what happens to to the Commonwealth in the second book. Like, um, because it sounds like Aya is going to fight with the Commonwealth. And like, I don't know how I feel about yeah, that because it's, it's you're weird, siding right? with the colonizers. Yeah. <laughs> so like, does that, like, is there going to be a plot point where there is going to be some kind of independence movement or rebellion? Um. Like, I was half expecting um, the general to have his own faction within the empire, right? That is like... Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Like I that. was expecting that, too. Um, but at the same time, like, the general telling... Like, the general totally murdered innocent, like, bystanders during that first scene. So I'm not sure if I'm on his side, neither. Um, we did get some, like, tidbits of the, I guess, the overarching MacGuffin. In, in this story, which is, I guess, warp technology, right? Like, that's what um, Ayn is after. That's why Ayn was after Bryn. Because she's able to complete the formulas needed for, you know, wormhole technology. Yeah. I, I'm assuming that will play a big role in the next in, in the next book as well. That was, like, one of the reasons why uh, people hated the Tawnies, right? Because, um, like, one of the gates got destroyed. Was it the Tawnies that no, did it? No, Aya did it. It's Aya attacked the game. Oh no, no, it was yeah. Aya attacked the the um the the hyper gate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and that just like ruined trade because <laughs> you know, you don't have a gateway to Also, okay. Um something that was something that was mentioned in the book was the fact that two jump gates away is the station that um knives went to to get um shoisted. And um, that that station belonged in space that used to belong to Aya. So I know Aya was like a space terrorist, but she was also a crime lord because she had territory. Was that, did I read that correctly? <laughs> like, it's not on like, no, the story didn't focus on this part, but I kind of wish we could learn a little bit more about like what like type of organization she was actually in charge of. Because it made it sound like she was like a, a literal like feudal lord in this like, I mean, she was a pirate. I guess, yeah. Yeah, like, I I would have wanted more backstory on that, on her rise to becoming a space pirate and her rise in the ranks of of being able to lead an armada. And also, why is she alone? Right? Like, at the beginning of the story, she is fleeing. Um, I think think the story mentioned that um, General Adams was conducting a hunt of all the leaders of the of all the rebels. Um, but like, yeah, why was she isolated and alone in the beginning, right? But that's part of her character, right? She likes to do everything on her own. Yeah. And then when she goes to the academy, she has to learn how to work as a team. Hmm. That's true. I heard a lot of people compare this book to Rogue One. And... I'm not I'm not so sure why. I mean, I don't really remember Rogue One all that well. Well, Rogue One was more of a heist film. Right? It's about them stealing the plans for the Death Star. But no, I don't I don't see those comparisons. Unless you're talking about like a more um character focused space story, which this is. I don't know. I mean, that's what people <laughs> people were saying online, and I'm like, I don't really see it 
But because Rogue One is a story about rebellion and like guerrilla warfare. And this isn't really that. This is more like I would compare it more to like Ender's Game than anything else. Is it because Rogue One had like a main female character? Maybe. That could also be true. And their personalities are I don't know. They're not the same though. Yeah, they're not. I mean like I don't really remember much of it, but yeah, definitely not. Yeah, Aya is no Jin Erso. Jin Erso had a lot more. Um, I don't think Jin Erso had a history of like indiscriminately killing like thousands of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Aya has a lot of blood on her hands, uh, which again, we won't mention is something that she admits is part of her like her sins, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, at the end, when she like goes nuts over like murdering all the slavers, she is like a very, very efficient killer. Like that—that's when she learns about the betrayal, right? Yeah. And her brother kills her in like the the meta world. Yeah, and then she goes yeah. John Wick on everyone. That's why. That's why I wanted like her relationship with Ayn to be shown more on the page, and like have more flashback scenes, so that like the impact of the betrayal would have been much stronger yeah or even just more scenes of like we don't even have to see him his manipulation but like when she communicates with him in the white space um it would have been good to see more affection between the siblings oh yeah yeah definitely um yeah it would have been good to see more affection more banter but at the same time, like the betrayal still stings, right? Like it's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, course. when you realize like, you that, like, yeah, he instead of bringing her crew to come rescue her, he like sells them out to a slaver nation. <laughs> That's pretty messed up, dude. What did you think about I, I'm switching topics <laughs> like. But what did you think about the newly made up curse words? I didn't mind it. I mean, as someone who does, you know, watch a lot of sci-fi, it's not new. I mean, it makes sense <laughs> in, in in a context of um, language evolves. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind it. Um, it um, it only took like a couple times for me to get used to it. Um, yeah. What did you think I, about I it? I liked how, <laughs> like, you find out that you know, there's ancient Earth, our our planet, and this is taking place in an alternate universe fi- uh, future. I mean, this is like 8919 or 89 something. Like it's like yeah, millennia yeah. into the future. I just, there was a scene that just made me chuckle. It was when um, Aya tells one of her, her AI friends to turn on classical music right. or like the AI suggests uh, they listen to classical music because it's soothing. But the classical music that plays is heavy like metal. heavy metal. Yeah. Which, how is that soothing? It's therapeutic. They should have played like soft rock or something, like some Kenny G or some like Josh Groban, you know? Oh my God, Josh Groban. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been really funny. Yeah. But I don't really see Aya um, jamming to that, you know? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I wish there was more space in this story, too. I guess there's some space. It's a it's a space academy story, yeah. even though it's not as slice of life <laughs> as as we I wish it was more slice of life. That's just my bias, okay? I just 
really like that's true but stories that take place in school and you like get into the nitty-gritty of it yeah but again this story also takes place i mean this book also is 400 pages long already so it's already pretty lengthy. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm asking, I'm asking for a different book, right. which is not Mora's fault. This is the book that she wanted to write, and it's like, yeah, it's a. It's, you want the side like, stories, right? You want the the collection of side stories within this I, world. I want the fan fiction, you know, the fan fiction of like the the day to day lives and and just like the classes they take, what kind of food they eat, and um. And just like Aya and Bryn getting together. That is yeah. <laughs> that is the you, fan you want the, I want you, to read. <laughs> I know. I kind of I was kind of yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think their relationship is way more compelling than with Knives. Knives is fine too. I think he's like he's I don't know, he's yeah. I think as like a a YA romance partner, he he checks all the boxes, right? He's good looking. He has morals. He's, you know, conflicted. Um, and he also. He's a soft boy on the inside. It's everything you want in a teen romance. Uh, you know, like when, when it was revealed that his sister had died, um, I kind of expected the general to be like Denethor from Lord of the Rings, <laughs> where he, like, he favored one child completely. Um, like Denethor, like his favorite son was Boromir, and then Boromir dies, and then he kind of becomes like this, this unbalanced, unchecked, mad king. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I kind of like expected that level of cruelty in a way. What well, I, I think I want, <clears throat> I think I wanted to see, I I think I wanted to see that too, because like obviously Marnie's death affects knives a great deal. And there's no way that it didn't affect, like, General Adams. And, like, is this all a big plot of him getting back at the Commonwealth as well? Like, I kind of wanted to see more of those seeds. And, again, this might show up in the second book. Um, but, I don't know, you didn't really get to see a lot of his um, underlying thoughts, right? Because he, he's a character who doesn't express emotions, right? And treats his son as, like, expendable. I wonder how that relationship is going to play out now that they're now that he is like officially cooperating with Aya. So like in the second book, I'm, I'm just reading the jacket description right now. Uh, so Knives becomes the new headmaster of the school. And then with Bryn, it turns out that the public opinion of the uh, Tawnies is has kind of reached a fever pitch. and um, yeah, and she starts to have doubts about Aya. Whereas with Aya, she is agreeing to help the Royal Star Force on the condition of she'll be able to kill her brother. So those are the main things that are showing up in the synopsis of uh, Eclipse the Skies, which is the sequel. Okay. I didn't expect Knives to become the headmaster. I thought he was going to like fight. I mean, this is the world of the Commonwealth where... Um... They're, they send a war criminal to school. So anything's possible in this world, right? <laughs> I thought there, like, I mean, wasn't there that one professor who, you know, helped Aya get on, get onto her, her ship to go save her classmates? Professor Patel, yeah. 
Yeah, Professor Patel. Why didn't they get promoted? <laughs> I mean, if this is really based on the real world Commonwealth, nepotism is a thing, you know? Sometimes it pays to be the son of a general. I'm curious if the second book is going to show us more of the Commonwealth. Yeah, I don't know. Because like, cause they mentioned like two queens who rule the Commonwealth. And I'm like, yeah, are we ever going to meet them? <laughs> <laughs> Their empire is kind of... Kind of in the middle of a war, would like to um would like to meet the rulers and see how the politics work. It sounds like you're invested in reading the second book. I I am. <laughs> I just really don't like unanswered questions. Yeah. It's just really felt like a first act, right? I mean it's a it's a duology, so I can't even blame <laughs> I, I have no one to blame except for myself, you know? I picked a book. That was going to end in a cliffhanger. Um, this is how I felt when we read Chloe, uh, Chloe Gong's book, uh, <laughs> These Violent Delights. Yeah. It ended on a cliffhanger and I'm like, damn. Yeah. This hurts. I'm looking forward to seeing how Aya burns everything down because I feel like I, that's where I want this to go. It's just her to like, you know, the Commonwealth deserves to be brought down, you know, so um, she's going to be the spark, but we'll see. I mean. Um, she did join forces with her oppressors, so um, we'll. S- I don't know where this is gonna go, but <laughs> I think I'm also invested. She could, she in could do a heel turn, you know. Yeah. It's like I'll like when she kills her brother. Wouldn't it be funny if she killed her brother in like, like the first act of the book? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then it's like okay, time to take care of the Commonwealth. Yeah, I mean, she is the Blood Wolf, so it's proven from book one that there is no leash that can keep her down. Yeah, I'm I'm invested. <laughs> well, if any of you, our dear listeners, have anything to add to our discussion for Ignite the Stars by Maura Milan, please let us know on our Goodreads forums. Um, it's always great to hear thoughts from our readers. Um, and with that, that is our discussion of our November 2020 book. Um, just a reminder, if you're interested in our monthly picks as well as books, um, by Asian Asian Americans, please check out our online bookshop. Um, you can get there by going to um, bookshop.org slash books and boba or by clicking on the link in our show notes. Um, but yeah, with that, Rira, what are we reading for December 2020? We are reading When Dimple Met Rishi by Sanjay Menon. And the Netflix adaptation of it has come out. Yeah. So that is something that we might watch. <laughs> Yeah, the Netflix adaptation is called Mismatch. Uh, it does adapt a story from one that's set in the States to one that's set in India. But I think it's, um, I think they've adapted a bunch of stories from the Sanya Manan um, universe. So, yeah, because it's a series, it's not a movie. Yeah. Looking forward to reading this book. Um, it's been on our to read list, I think, since this book club started. I'm excited to take a look. It's been a while since we've read something light. I feel like the last few um, book. Wait, really? Hasn't it? Hold on, but <laughs> I I don't believe this. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go check. All right, so yeah, Confessions, Spider Feelings, Emperor of Sol- Salt and Fortune. What is of Malabar Hill? Convenience store woman. You know what? You're right. It's been a long time <laughs> since we read a light. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while since we've read like a straight up like light romantic comedy. Uh, I think there are some rom com elements in Ignite the Stars, but it wasn't the focus. I wouldn't even call it a rom-com. It was 
It was just straight up romance. And it was a very slow burn romance. That's true. I mean, all they did was kiss. So, I mean, character development. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to read um, when Dimple met Rishi. And yeah, excited for, uh, I guess, mildly excited for the rest of this holiday season. Um, Rira, good luck for the rest of the month. You say it like I'm not going to talk to you in like another week <laughs> or so. We still have we still have our mid-month episode and we do have an author interview coming up. That's true. So, yeah, <laughs> we will be talking a bit more before the holidays actually hit. Well, <laughs> until next time then. Um, stay safe and uh, we'll see you next time on Books and Boba. Bye everyone. All right. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This podcast was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu and edited and produced by Marvin Yue. Follow the book club on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Books and Boba and engage with us on Goodreads on our Goodreads group. You can also check out past episodes of the podcast by going to booksandboba.com and by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget, you can support Books and Boba and Asian American authors by purchasing books at our bookshop.org account. Check out the link in our show notes and also at booksandboba.com. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American-hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. Learn more about the collective and check out our fellow Potluck shows by visiting the website podcastpotluck.com. Thanks for listening. Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 